You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Empire is brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Since 1952, Interstate Batteries has been evoking compassion and a trustworthy spirit into the surrounding communities. Interstate Batteries is a mission-driven company fueled by purpose and guided by their values. If you need help locating a specific battery, stop into your local Interstate Batteries retail store and speak with a battery specialist. They even offer cell phone repairs. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast with your host, Andy, Nate, and Micah. What's up, boys? How's it going, fellas? I'm ready to go murder some dogs. <laughs> Coyotes, to be specific. Tis the season. Tis the season. I'm getting it's antsy. the best season. I'd say before Christmas. That's my favorite season. We're recording this uh, the Tuesday before we go to down to Uric and go do our second annual Missouri Disabled Sportsman Coyote Hunt. Which is now being threatened by weather, so hopefully that doesn't happen. See what happens to that? Yeah, but uh, so by the time this comes out, we will have either had a really cool weekend or a really shitty weekend when it comes to that. But anyways, either way, I'm going hunting Friday. (laughs) Right? Yeah, Mike. Mike is like, if it if we don't get to go, you want to go out Friday night? I'm like, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) So, So. um, today's show. Speaking of coyotes. The man himself, John Collins, with Fox Pro, is on our show. Um, no doubt. It's an awesome topic. We actually talk about deer hunting for like the first 15 minutes. Um, believe mm-hmm. it or not, John's also a major deer hunter, uh, just like Tori is, and, and a lot of folks uh, that uh, our coyote hunters are. So we talk about deer for a few minutes, and uh, then we get into the topic, which is, is coyote hunting harder than it used to be? You know, that's the kind of the, the question that we are centering the show around and we go through all kinds of cool stuff with John. We end up talking about calibers at the end of it. Uh, you know, the 223 and the 22, 250. Spoil, no, no, no. You leave it alone. Okay. I did. I didn't spoil. I'm just saying we talk about them. We talk about them and I feel better about everything. Anyways, want to hop into sponsors before we get into today's show. Let's start with our buddies over at Weber Outfitters, weberoutfitters.com. Um, maybe by this week, Josh has turned his hat around straight since you told him to last week, Andy, that'd be great. Right. Uh, and, um, we're good to go with that. Uh, check them out over at Hawk point, all kinds of awesome stuff. Um, if you're, those are starting to come out. Yep. I I just saw, I just saw the expedition coming out of the box the other day. If you're a waterfowl hunter, they've got a lot of awesome shotguns. Uh, is it Benelli? Yeah, they're Benelli dealers. Yeah, Benelli. So, uh, get over there and check them out over there at Hawk Point. They're great folks, um, and we, we love working with them. Athlon Optics, ridiculously Ridiculous good. Guy. I'm just excited to get our, the new Kronos Thermal out this yeah. season. Me and Nate, we spent a few hours the other evening shooting ours, getting them all dialed in and ready to go. And Andy I, spent I, the exact same evening was, doing it. The only thing yeah, – As soon as I got done, Nate texted me. 
hey, we're going to go uh, dial in our thermals. <laughs> I like, did. Dang, I just walked inside with mine. Like, so I, I hope I'm ready to go. We'll see. Dude, uh, the hardest part was getting the first bullet on the target. Once yep. you know yeah, I, where you can hit it, then it's easy breezy after that. My, no so problem. Part, when I did mine, my first shot hit the target. So it was simple. Micah's... It took what? How many shots? It probably like, took five or six. For the, the bullet to strike the target just to know where you were, you know, impacting. And then it's easy. I finally learned, man. I walked up to 20 yards, shot, adjusted, back to 50, shot, adjusted. That's what we did. Yep. Back to 100, shot, adjusted. So three, really three shots, and I was I was about where I needed to be. So Yeah, yeah. We, we started at 50, and it didn't hit the, the thing like three times. And then we moved it up to 25 yards, and then he hit it. Yeah, and we're like, okay, now I we know, know my, where you're at. My problem is I the the my my gun and I like high rings, and so I just know I I I have trouble even with other scopes like any scope I have trouble getting right. on paper that first shot. Right. So uh, uh, yeah, that's what we're kind of all of us have been doing a lot of work on the the Chronos thermal of uh, the last you know week or so, getting ready for our our Missouri thermal season, which will be started by the time this comes out. So uh, check still out plenty Apple of time to get yours. Yep. Yep. Uh, get a hold find of a deer, Get a hold of Jesse over at, uh, uh, oh my, Explicit Outdoors Explicit. Or, or Weber Outfitters. Weber carries them. Yep. yep. Uh, on, X, on X Maps, use the code MWW20 for 20% off on On X, which will be burning our fingertips over the next couple months for sure. I'm using it every day, man. Every yep. damn day. Yep. Um, Camo Fire, get on that app and check out the awesome deals. I'm not going to do it right now, but I did it the last show, and they had all kinds of cool stuff. It'll be Trail Cam Tuesday when this comes out. No, it won't. It's a thing. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. <laughs> they literally said it was a thing. <laughs> One time he said it, 14 years ago. Settle down. It's a thing. Anyway, yeah. Hunt worth gear. <laughs> Hunt worth gear. Use the code MWW15. So we're going to be putting our stuff. Yeah, we're going to be putting our stuff to work, um, you know, in the coming season. So, oh, yeah. obviously, this, this night season. Yeah, that Nate will be wearing his boost. bibs again. <coughs> I found for night season, I love wearing those bibs. Uh, me oh, and Andy, me and Andy been wearing bibs for quite a while now, and we yeah. could have told you that a long time ago. Pretty sure we have. Yeah, I, know. I think we have Took told you. Give a minute to finally listen. I to did us, it. But I did yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, going back to Camo Fire, check out blackovas.com too. Use the code MWW10 for ten percent off. They're having a winter sale. I don't know when it's over. To be honest, they have a, with they're you. having a sale on a sale. Sale yeah. on a sale. So you use what was that code? They have stuff on sale, and then you use this code, and you get an extra, I think it's 10% off. I never have it's stuff like, pulled up in it's time. It's like 10 to 50% off or something like that. Yeah. So you can stack your savings. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. And I would, tell you the, I would tell you the code if I had it ready, but Nate screwed up and doesn't have it yeah. ready. In the meantime, check out Alps Outdoors. Use 2024 Woods Water for 30% off. That's a new code for uh, everybody, by the way. Yep. New code and still an industry best discount there, guys. Check out Alps, Missouri-based company. Nate posted the other day. They do a, a ton of stuff. All kinds with, of stuff. With or, with organizations that give back to the sports we love, man. Yeah, awesome company, awesome people over there in uh, on the St. Louis side of the state. Uh, Zamberland Boots, ZamberlandUSA.com. I'm going to be busting out the, uh, the the insulated boots probably more this, this winter. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, Russell was looking at their insulated boots the other day, and – I want to I want to tell everybody this because uh, so I texted our our contact over there at Zamberland, 
and Russell wanted to know, well, what what's the most insulated boots? Because their their website actually doesn't tell you like the the number the um, level, the grains. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I found out, and I'm going to tell you as soon as I find the text Once that I again, sent. Again, you screw up. So the most insulated boot they've got is the ULL. I don't know. I'm just going off the text I read from her. Uh, then the Polar Hunter, then the new Sawtooth, and then the Hunter Pro. So their 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 warmest boots, the ULL, and their not the warmest insulated one, I guess, would be the Hunter Pro. Probably still very insulated. Gotcha. Oh, uh, yeah. But I have the Mastodons, which are no longer produced, um, and I don't know what what it is, but my feet do okay. I mean, I always have cold feet, and they do a lot better in those than they do in regular boots. So check them out. ZamberlandUSA.com, reveal cameras by Tacticam. Uh, I'm actually going to probably go pull my all my cameras here very soon. Yeah, I've kind of left mine out for a while, and mm-hmm. the batteries are starting to die out. Um, so, you know. Yeah, I need to – mine's up. telling me I need to go shed hunting because I'm seeing some deer with some uh, nubbins up there. Yeah, so. I've, I've seen a handful. They're mostly smaller bucks, but, uh, yeah, I've definitely seen a few nubs out there. Yep. Yeah, so check out our, our, our friends over at Reveal Cameras by Tacticam. Awesome, awesome cameras there. Habitat Works, Dustin Williams, the man himself. Up Man. there in northern Missouri somewhere, just cutting, Joe. cutting trees down and Saint starting Joe. fires. Just you know what I think Dustin might be? He's a pyro. That's why he got oh, into 100%. this. Oh, 100%. I think he's just a manly man. Yeah. You know, he does manly man things. Man. He cuts down trees. He's burning crap all the time. Yep. He's, a, he's a You man. can call him and find out. 816-752-7390. Yep. Yeah. Mention us when you call and you get a... Uh, actually, I think he's, he's offering free consultations right now. Yeah. So... That is correct. That's a huge savings, by the way, just getting that. That is correct. That's our uh, sponsors for today's show. Um, That's all. (laughs) It took me a second. Uh, I'm just so excited to talk to John. That's what I am. So let's get into the show with John Collins with Fox Pro. Let's do it. This is the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. Okay, with us today, we've got a friend of the show, returning guest. Uh, it's been too long, but we got our friend John Collins on the show with us today. John, what's up, buddy? Not much, guys. How are you all doing? Doing pretty good, considering. Doing good. Yeah, we, we don't get to hunt coyotes all the time like you, lucky son of a gun, <laughs> get to. So we're just sitting here working our nine-to-fives, waiting for the opportunity to get after them. <laughs> yep. Well, I know you I know you guys want to talk about coyotes, but tell me about them two big old bucks y'all got hanging on the wall. Oh, them Missouri those, bucks, th- them babies, them we babies. Had, yeah, them those babies. are just babies. We had those, we had those custom made uh, for Nate to make himself feel better. <laughs> They're not actual real deer. <laughs> yeah, well, they ain't from Missouri, are they? They are. They are from Missouri. They're both. Uh, oh, well, how far you figure? Ten miles apart from each other, probably. They're, they're if yeah, ten yeah. miles of crow flies. Yeah. What uh, are they? Say either, either got to be on the eastern side close to Kentucky or the western side close to Kansas. One of the two. We're on the western side close to Kansas. Yep. 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 We're not far from Kansas City, so we got some. We're not North Missouri, but we're uh, we're, we're also definitely not Southern Missouri. So yeah, they say like uh, north of I seventy, pretty much. That's like you know the real target area for people whenever they talk about Missouri deer, and uh, right. We're right on I seventy, so we're right in the mix of it. Yeah, but th- neither of these were from this year. Uh, Andy and Micah both killed some good ones this year. 
Uh, my son killed a good one for him as his first good buck, our first buck. So we all uh, had a good year. We all had a good year. Yeah. What about yeah, you? Uh, I didn't. I didn't really pay attention. Do you? Uh, do you get after the deer much? Do you have a decent year? You knocked down a good one, didn't you? I thought so. You kill one here, here in Kentucky. I actually, usually do quite a bit of deer hunting. Usually hunt two or three different states. I did hunt two different states this year. Hunted here at home and and had a tag in Ohio as well. But I never never drew my bow back in Ohio. Hunted quite a bit up there. But uh, yeah, I killed. I can't remember. It was either halloween week or first week in november you know it was rut time you know it's when i try to get after them i'm not much on that early season stuff i like for the deer start the bucks be running a little bit you know i like calling stuff in so you know i like trying to rattle and grunt so that's what's going on and and plus the reason we hunt ohio quite a bit in ohio it's legal to use electronic calls for deer hunting in ohio so we actually take the fox pros up there and try to try to call deer we got a, a lot of people don't know this but we got a pretty decent sound library for deer i mean i mean actually more than decent you can call deer in quite frequently with them and we caught i caught a lot of deer in in ohio this past uh, past november but just nothing i wanted to shoot passed up on some decent bucks but yeah uh, yeah i think last year last season i you know not this season we just got out of but the season before you know get my buck here at home went down to went up to ohio called a buck in up there killed a nice nice i'm sorry if it's beeping guys i got you're like, good i'll get a hundred don't worry about fish. it um killed a nice buck in ohio like 140 some inch buck in ohio and then i went down to texas and texas is the same way in texas it's legal to use electronic calls for deer hunting we called a called a nice buck in in texas and got it got it down so yeah i do quite a bit of deer hunting i, li- I like deer hunt all right i got i two- can only imagine how oh go ahead Mike. well i got two questions one, do you know how many states allow for the electronic calling of deer? I don't know. It's a little less than fifty percent. It's mm-hmm. it's a little less than a little less than half the country you're allowed to do it. And actually there's a lot of states that people don't realize. Like we'll post something about it and I'll be like, Oh, you can't do that here where I live. Well guess what? You're wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well it's not it's, from states that you can do it in. Yeah, it's not something talked about really. We should probably do that sometime just talk about the electric or yep. calling in yeah. here or whatnot well and my other question I, was yeah, doesn't ahead. kentucky have the early season velvet hunt yeah yeah see that, first, that, first that see that that would i that would make me want to get out in that early season portion i know you said you didn't really care for the early season stuff but that would make me want to get out there i'd love to have a full velvet you know big old buck on the wall it's a it's a neat season i used to hunt it quite a bit and you know if i had just an absolute hammer of a buck that was consistent i would probably still hunt it and and there's been times i i have had a really nice buck and just didn't choose to hunt them during that time because i do like i i do like that rut time frame that's my favorite time to deer hunt and um i don't know i mean i'm not saying i wouldn't go this coming season and hunt the first Saturday of September and try to tag one. It just all has to do with what deer I have at the time. Exactly. Right? Got yeah. a deer for me, for me wanting to hunt that early season. But I, I hey, you know, there's a 180 wants to come through here. I'll put a, I'll put a <laughs> on September this season. We'll November, right? You right. know what? That's what I love about, um, we, we did a show. We actually did the first ever show where Tori came on a podcast and did not talk about coyotes. We talked about deer hunting. Uh, yeah. We were talking to Tori after he came on, oh, 
the time before that, I just I don't remember how we got to deer, and he's like, man, I just I can't get enough of it. I'm in the woods every single day from yep. you know this time to this time and we're like seriously he's like nobody knows it because yep. i mean i own a call company you know just i i have coyotes where you know i don't own the coyotes but you know they're doing that sort right. of stuff and he goes but i absolutely love deer hunting so we had him on the show maybe a month or two later to tell a, a story of a deer hunt and uh you know it's the same thing i mean people probably don't associate john collins with with whitetails but um that's just because you're yeah, such a good coyote hunter too. <laughs> and that, that's what, and that, you know, I'm similar with Tori in that aspect. You know, I love deer hunting. Uh, there's a several things like that when it comes up to just your general hunting type stuff. A lot of people don't know. Like how I actually got started in the hunting industry wasn't through coyotes. It was through turkey hunting. Hmm. Was really? Through turkey hunting. A lot of people don't know. It was coyotes, but I actually got my start through turkey hunting. And um, another thing a lot of people don't realize is I actually used to host a couple shows for Kentucky Department of Fish and Wildlife, the actual state agency. And it was not coyotes. It was turkey and deer. We did two shows. We did one. It was called Strutting in the Bluegrass, where we would go and film the first seven days of Kentucky's turkey season. We would film hunts the mo- that morning, quit right before lunch grab a bite to eat real quick and get back here and get on the computers and start editing. And we'd release that show that evening, first seven days of the season. And it was, it was tough, but it was a blast. And we'd do the same thing in the fall. We would do a a fall series called rutting in the bluegrass where we would release six uh, deer hunting shows. And the first three, I had a little time to film them. I would film those through Kentucky's early archery season. We have a, early muzzleloader season in uh first part of middle of october or whatever it is and then we have a youth season it falls back to back with that so i would spend the first three shows i would film those through the early archery muzzleloader and the youth season and then when our rifle season hits kentucky's deer rifle season you can actually hunt uh, kentucky through the rut uh it would come in the second saturday of november so when rifle season would hit, we would film those first three days of rifle season and do the same thing we did with the turkeys, release them that that night. So Dang. and the the previous three shows, they would re- we would release those on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, leading up to rifle season. So you'd have three shows there. As soon as Saturday hits, we had three semi live shows. So I've done on I've done a bit of deer and turkey hunting and filming. Um, throughout my life and career that's well so. it's funny andy and i ran into andrew with fox pro at ata a couple of weeks ago however long ago that was and was was talking about it because you know being from missouri we don't think about e-calling deer just because you can't hear so we've right. definitely done it though e-calling you can't hear didn't do it on purpose oh, we yeah, did I mean, it going after coyotes yeah, yeah. but yeah <laughs> Yeah, that was actually one of the coolest things I've ever seen. We yeah. we were hunting coyotes one time and uh I we did I did a fawn in distress just because yeah, I, was, it, it was, I couldn't get anything to come in. Well it was May. It was so May. It yep. was May. We we're like, hey, you know, let's try some fawn distress and sure enough we called I don't know if it was three or four does from six hundred yards away. Oh yeah, they ran running in. All the way. And uh we're like, Well, we at least called something in, but it wasn't coyotes. Yeah. But right. yeah. Anyway, we were talking to Andrew about that and and uh he was talking about how there's a lot of, of deer calls on the Fox Pros that, you know, you just don't think of it if you don't do it. You know, and there's a lot of people you talk about a little bit, and they kind of 
you know, balk on you a little bit about her, like, electronic calls for deer? Are you serious? Well, the same guy will be using a uh, rangefinder for deer hunting. <laughs> and yeah. rangefinder. What is that? That's an electronic device, electronic. right? Yeah. Yep. I mean, you don't have all kinds of stuff in that thing right there. Mm-hmm. So they're using that. They're using trail cameras. And most people out there anymore, at least probably half of us, are using cellular trail cameras that sends a picture right to your phone. So they'll be getting pictures coming on their phone dinging like crazy. They'll be using that. They'll be using those onyx hanging from the tree. It's electronic doing crazy stuff. And well, uh, now you have some of those Garmin sites that are, I mean, the, it's on the site itself. And yeah. Exactly. Then those same guys will be like, ha, electronic calls for deer. Yeah. Way to go, Daniel Boone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> really? Really? Oh, man. well. They can get I can only it. imagine how effective that could be thinking, sitting there thinking about, you know, you talk about, you know, your buck grunt calls and different things like that you do in the deer stand. Yep. Those deer know that, hey, that's up at a, like, you know, when you know your house, someone's in your house, you know it. Well, yep. if you put that in the, you know, the brush, how much more realistic is that? I mean, that's, I'd love to be able to try it, but I, I, I do know that Missouri, you can't, but. Right. Right. I wouldn't, uh, if that ever changed, I'd definitely give it a whirl. Well, well, the thing is, for that type of stuff, is like, um, say you hunt in a state where electronic calls are allowed, and I'm sure most of you guys that's listening is going to be like, ah, you can't do it here. Check your, check your reg book. You might be surprised. You might be able to do it in your state. Yeah. So check it out, and and it's a total legit thing. Don't think you're uh, – the biggest thing is, is one thing, safety. Say you're calling during a rut. Uh, rut deer season and you've got a rifle season at the end of that time frame we know there's crazies out there we know there's hunting accidents happen every year you know we don't like to talk about it but it does <coughs> and you know if you got the sound away from you that that's going to help you out on a safety side but the other thing is just like you guys you guys are coyote hunters you know what it's like for a for a coyote to try to work the wind on a on an e-call or a hand call they're going to try to work to the down downwind side same thing for deer. Anybody that's ever rattled up a buck or grunted up a buck, what do they do? They they all come to the downwind side. So you can actually set your fox pro out. Upwind of you. Position <laughs> yeah. To have a have a deer come right in there, you know, just place them exactly where you want them. That would be nice. That would be nice. It's cool stuff. It's cool stuff and it that would be hurt. neat to see. Well you think about when that we're mean, when we're grunting or we're we're doing whatever, we're trying to throw <laughs> that sound. So that it doesn't sound like it's coming right from you, but ain't much you can. There's not much you can do about it. I mean, it's it's coming right from your mouth. So, I mean, but that's 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 what you know. That's what we got here in Missouri. But John, I do appreciate you making me feel better about my year by saying how nice my deer look. So that makes me feel better because uh, both these guys now have bigger deer uh, by far. <laughs> I've always had bigger deer. You, that's true. You, <laughs> I, I've, I've I, think had all, I think we've always had bigger deer than you. <laughs> yeah, you just got that one. Now you got two. <laughs> hey, so, you know, it's one of those is. came from my farm, so I get half credit. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. But so today's topic, actually, um, getting into it, I actually had another idea in line while John and I were kind of trying to figure out when we were going to do this podcast. And in the meantime, trying to get this scheduled with John, we have heard, whether it was on podcasts that I've been listening to or just talking to people, 
Uh, especially, you know, in a state like Missouri, now that we're in our fourth, is this our fourth or third thermal season? I think it's our third, ain't it? Ain't it, Andy? Third se- thermal season? I think it's third. Okay, so now that we're in our third thermal season, we keep hearing from people, coyote hunting's <laughs> getting harder. It's harder to kill them. Um, you know, it, it's coyote hunting isn't as easy as it was 10 years ago, you know, or whatnot. And it made me made me think, well, that's that's a question to just talk about. Is coyote hunting getting harder? If so, why is it, and what's something we can do to continue to be successful as hunters um, who want to go out there and obviously kill coyotes? So I guess the first question I would pose to you, John, is what do you think about that statement? Do you think it's true? Are, are coyotes harder to kill now than they were before? It, de- it depends on how you look at it. The coyotes themselves, they're no harder to call in Put it this way, if you got fresh eared coyotes, if there's a coyote out there that's never heard a sound before in its life, it's just as easy to call in today on, you know, January 30th, 2024, as it was on January 30th of 2012. Right. There's no difference in that coyote. A fresh eared The difference here is, is guys and gals that are listening to this, is the pressure that us hunters put on those animals. Uh, that's that's where it makes it harder to kill them. If just talking about you got a thermal night season now. What when's the season runs? Like a December first or January? Uh, what's February first? February March. March. 1st. Yeah. Yep. So February through March. So it's fixing fixing to come in. Really, Correct. Right? Yep. Yep. So all year through 2023, these coyotes have been here, and you know they've been getting they've been hunted by somebody. People's been caught them during the daytime. And all the way through January into 2024, they've been calling during the daytime. Then all of a sudden, February 1st is, now they've been called during the day, now they're getting called at night. So it's like 24-7 now that they're getting called to. Mm-hmm. And there's a thing, There's a thing. Uh, you know, too much pressure is a real thing. If you put too much pressure on a group of coyotes, it does make them difficult to hunt because these animals are smart. Uh, they've got... Uh, probably the best instinct to survive um, out there in the wilderness in any animal that you'll ever face. Mm-hmm. And they learn every encounter that they have with other animals, with hunters, they learn from them every day. Anybody that's got dogs as pets knows how smart a canine can be. Well, you throw in, you know, like there's a blue healer laying on a couch over here. It ain't got much survival instinct out there in the wilderness, but that thing's smart. I mean, it does all kinds of crazy stuff that it's learned from us and learned from just being alive. But you take something like that and then throw in uh, the aspect, the instinctual stuff that it's got to do to survive like a coyote does every day. Um, it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to tell people how they can pressure coyotes too much on pieces of property and really shut their hunting down shut their calling down and it's a hard thing for people to accept and so to i guess the short answer to this is no coyotes really aren't harder to kill the only coyotes that are harder to kill are the coyotes that that us hunters have made harder to kill yeah if that makes sense and that that's the theory i've kind of i was kind of thinking about the other day and what i kind of thought was it's not that coyotes like you just said Coyotes aren't harder to kill, but what is happening, which is a good thing, coyote hunting is becoming more popular than it was a decade ago, two decades ago, Um, and 
So let's say you have a group of 10 coyotes on a square mile. I know that's not true, but let's just, we're going to go with 10 coyotes on a square mile. If you kill three coyotes of those 10 one year, that means seven of the 10 you didn't kill got smarter because you called them throughout that year. So then you have a, a litter of, you know, five more that come into that group in the square mile. Now we're up to 12 coyotes. Those five have never been called until they've been hunted. But, right. you know, I've also heard, and coyotes share their knowledge with other coyotes. They communicate. So you, you call in a group of four, and let's say of the group of four, one of those is the new, a new coyote, and the other three are coyotes that have been called before. So they come in. That first one's coming in like bad out of hell. He's ready to come in and do it. The other ones hang up, which causes him to pause and look back and go, why are y'all back there? You know, what's going on here? So even the coyote that hasn't been called is learning things from the ones that have been called. So in essence, you know, at least my theory is in essence, even the fresh ones are a little bit harder to kill because unless you get them all, they get smarter as a group. And uh, right. that's my theory. At least. Right, Do you agree with that or is Nate making shit up? I, that's, I said theory. It's a theory. <laughs> Oh, I, I totally agree. I mean, um, it's evolution. I mean, they can evolve, and and certain groups of coyotes can evolve to. Uh, I don't even know how to put this. You hear people talk about certain sounds do not work anymore. They'll say, let's say pup distress number three. I've heard that come up by certain people say pup distress number three just doesn't work in my area anymore used to all i had to do if i want to go kill a coyote is go sit down somewhere and hit pup three and within a few minutes there's going to be a coyote show up that don't happen no more well guess what right here where i'm at i can go out tomorrow morning play pup three and kill a coyote but the people some of the people i've heard see stuff like that um i i believe them because I know what kind of hunters they are and what kind of coyote collars they are. I know how successful they can be and have been in the past. So when they tell me that coyotes in their area have stopped responding to a certain type of sound, that you know makes me think, why is that? Um, the sound itself hasn't changed. Um, the only thing that can change is the coyotes, right? There is something that has happened in that area where the coyotes have evolved to know not to come to that. And I'm just pulling a sound out. You know, I'm just picking a sound. Right. I've heard that about several different sounds. Um, so what it tells me is that those coyotes in that area have heard that sound too much. Uh, and, and that's the thing. It's If you ever come to one of my seminars, I have seminars next week, actually, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, at the Great American Outdoor Show. Uh, the big, the bulk of my seminar is talking about using different sounds and sequences throughout the year to make sure you're keeping, you're throwing fresh sounds out to your coyotes. So if you're somebody that's like, man, I always kill them cagey cocktail, cagey cocktail's the only sound I'm ever going to run. Well, if you run cagey cocktail every single week from January through December on the same, rotating the same properties just throughout the year, Guess what? There's eventually going to come a time when cagey cottontail don't work for you no more. And that's just how it is. Either you burn your coyote's ears up to it too much. Now, if you're killing every single coyote that ever hears that sound, you'll never run into that problem. But you cannot, you cannot 
think that you're killing every single coyote that's here in your call. It just don't happen. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And it's kind of like sense. conditioning deer. Andy, remember the dude we had on that talked about conditioning his deer when he would go out and feed him in the summer? Okay. Well, yeah, when the Blake deer, Garrett. yeah, Blake, when the deer would hear him driving his side by side, they knew it was time to eat. He dumped yep. a little mineral every time he drove the side by side in. Yep. Just put a little bit out every time. Well, yep. if if every time a coyote hears cagey cottontail, a bullet's flying past its head, it's probably going to stop coming into it. It's the reverse of <laughs> of that, you know, um, hey, or all whatnot. They, all they've got to do, and it's not even that. All they got to do is circle downwind smell once or twice and mm-hmm. smell you, yeah. and it's over. Yeah, and that's any sound. It's you know, I'm just pulling sounds out of the air. It, it right. It can be any sound. It can yeah. be anything. It can be bow squeaks. It can be a certain howl. I mean, you can't think they're not smart enough to, to remember that type of stuff. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, and we've touched on it before, is just the pressure. Um, with with a lot of these new hunters coming in, more than likely they don't have the ground that you know we've acquired over the years that we've been doing it. And me me personally you know i i could burn up all my spots in in a week you know if not less if i was hunting hard i could hit all my spots really easy and then i'd be done for the year you know luckily i got friends that got ground and things like that but uh when you when you got new people coming in and they want to get into this get into this thing you know coyote hunting and they only got three spots they can go to you know what's to stop them going every other week to try that and they go and, and then you're yeah. just going to educate them more and more and more and it's going to be harder for them to kill yeah one of the most common questions we get in at fox pro from people that's wanting to learn is hey i'm new to the sport i've got you know they'll try to tell you how much ground i got it's used like two places not not a lot of acreage i know i've got coyotes when i go out i can get coyotes to howl but i can't get them to come to me what am I doing wrong? Now, can y'all answer that? They've probably been hunted before. No, <laughs> they're, they're pressured coyotes. I got I got two spots like that, so I'm curious <laughs> on what you're about to say. I mean, it depends. Yeah. Uh, to me, it depends on your terrain. It depends on what you've been playing. I mean, you might have to move closer to them. You might have to play a different sound. I mean, there's too much variables there, right? I mean, in my opinion. Exactly. So when somebody asks you that, say, hey, I own 200 acres here behind the house. I've got a ton of coyotes on it. I know they're here. I see them. I hear them. I get trail camera pictures of them. I bought a call. I went out here and tried to hunt them. I haven't called nothing up. I can get them to answer, but I can't can't get one in here to kill it. What am I doing wrong? It's like it. It's like the impossible <laughs> thing to answer, right? Well, well I, I don't know. I do think of an answer off the top of my head. <laughs> What's that? Tell me. Just let me hunt it. I'll take care of that. <laughs> <laughs> let me try. <laughs> Well, the thing is, what what I want, you know, you got to ask them. You just cannot answer the question because you don't have enough information, right? Yeah, right. And usually, the first question I ask them is, "Do you understand the importance of of hunting the wind?" And they're like, "Oh, you got to worry about the wind with coyotes." You're like, "Yeah, you got to worry about the wind." <laughs> they really and do. Yeah, they don't know if they hunted it with a good wind or wrong wind or whatever or they might say yeah oh i understand the importance hunting the wind yeah but how do you know where your coyotes are at well you know 
it's one of those things that comes with either scouting or woodsmanship or whatever you want to say. Yep. Whenever you go to call spots, you you should have a good idea of where your coyotes are at. I get that statement all the time. Well, how are you supposed to know where your coyotes are at? Man, you can, <laughs> if you don't have at least an idea. Now, listen, I call places all the time where I think the coyotes are going to be here. And they're there. All well, up right here, it happens. Yeah, it happens. Absolutely. You still got to have a good idea. You know, I'd say over 90% of the call-ins that I have, even spots that I've never been to in my life, I can pretty much tell you where the coyotes going to show up. Yeah. With how the wind direction is, how the train is out there, where I'm going to hunt, and all that type of stuff. And I think that's one thing that it, – it's one of those things that people, um, you know, they think there's – Got a remote here, so I'm gonna grab it. They think that all there is to coyote hunt nowadays is you grab a call and you just push a button and the coyotes come in. Or you grab a <laughs> call and get to blowing on it and coyotes show up. There's so much more to that. I mean, there's so much more that goes in before you hit play on that TX 1000 that's gonna determine whether you're gonna have a successful stand or a dry stand. Yeah. And a lot of it's to do with. You know, to put it in a simple term is woodsmanship. Yeah. And, you know, guys out there, guys and gals that's listening, if you don't know what woodsmanship is. Put the call down. <laughs> put the call down. Woodsmanship is one of those things that's hard to teach. Uh, yeah. It takes a lot of experience to learn it. And uh, that's one of the most important things to be a successful cop caller, in my opinion, is woodsmanship. And I think probably the number one uh, common mistake <clears throat> for especially new coyote hunters is not respecting the wind when it comes to a coyote and not hunting it properly. Yeah. And, and I, I would say like, hard to hunt coyotes. Yep. I would say my biggest mistake I make a lot is I, I take the wind completely away from them where I think they are and I'm hunting. Yeah. It's a good wind for me, but it's extremely bad it's wind bad for them. them. Yeah. And so, and they know it's a bad wind for them. I'm not going to call them from upwind. Right. And I, sometimes I forget that and I, I screw that up. That's my biggest fault I know is like, oh, it's a great win for that. They can't smell me. Well, no, they can't smell me, but they're also not going to come in because they can't smell what's down there. Yeah, they'd have right. to cross that highway down there and come around, back around, yeah, just to get to you. Yeah. In situations like that, it's still possible to call coyotes in. At least you know you're not um, boogering them up anyway. You know, they're not right. with your associating that sound with you. Uh, and there's still coyotes will come, you know, your younger coyotes or coyotes who's about to starve to death or certain situational stuff like right in the peak of the breeding season when they have that drive to breed that's so strong that they just throw everything to the wayside, stuff like that. Those situations occur. But like when you're talking about those coyotes, it's heard a sound or three throughout their life and got those teeth that are <laughs> wore down gums and stuff like that they be giving a little bit of wind, giving them a chance to circle downwind, or they will not feel comfortable to come to the call, and most likely will not. And, and speaking mm -hmm. of circling downwind, here's my theory number two for John. See what he thinks about this one. There's some bullshit. Yeah. So mm -hmm. the last, let's just say five years, thermal hunting has become even more popular, obviously. Like our state, we've only had the ability to hunt with lights and or thermal imaging for three years. Other states, it's been a little longer. Texas, I know. But it's become more popular. More, and, more accessible. And we more like... More affordable, more popular. More affordable, yep. And it's yep. fun as hell. But the three of us talking to John right now, over our first two years of thermal hunting, have definitely realized that we are lazier hunters at night than we are during the day. 
And yep. what I mean by that is sometimes we don't worry about our downwind near as much because we think they're just going to come running where we think they're going to come running from. Sometimes we don't try to be as, I mean, we always try to get in the shadows, but we've, we've all been on stands where we're like, well, this isn't perfect, but screw it. It's dark. You know, we'll be right here. And that's just adding to the education. You know, like you don't think you call dogs in when in reality you actually did. And they circled downwind of you and took off and you never knew they were there. And then you go back there a month later during the day and wonder why you can't see dogs. Well, that's because you were a little lazy at nighttime. And I think we've all been there with, with the nighttime stuff. Um, so, you know, I think it's just a learning curve for a different type of coyote hunting. You know, you think it's the easiest, which I think we'd all agree, probably easier to call a coyote in at night than it is during the day. But it's getting harder. And that's because we're educating them at night just as much as we're educating them during the day now, too. That's my second theory. Well, well just to add to that, um, when it comes to, say, night hunt, um, the reason it, it, it's easier than it is day daytime hunting when a daytime hunter is calling for coyotes he is concentrating he needs to be concentrating on coyotes that are bedded up for the day okay you can't actually go hunt them in these feeding type areas because they're not up feeding i mean some of them you'll catch them up on their feet early morning and late evening or you know whatever situation arises but generally you need to be calling the coyotes that are laid up somewhere okay and you gotta be able to understand or figure out where those areas are at, or be lucky enough to get on those areas. And you need to be fairly close to them to get them to call up, you know, call them up. You got to actually get them up out of their bed, get them interested enough where they come running in, right? Right. On nighttime, Hunter, you're hunting when a coyote's active, when a coyote's up on his feet, being a coyote, you know, he's up. Now you can hunt those feeding areas. You can hunt those big wide open fields and stuff like that because a coyote is up on his feet. Being a coyote, looking for food, looking for companionship, they're up like how we are in the daytime. You know, they're, that's when they are active. So that's what makes it easier is because these coyotes, that's their, that's their time is at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but it doesn't matter if it's daytime or nighttime, midday, early morning, late. It don't matter when it is in that 24-hour circle. If a coyote smells you, you've taught him something and you've mm-hmm. made it harder on yourself and for anybody else that might hunt that property. Now, for me personally, I don't do much night hunting. If I do go out at night, it's usually I'm filming some of the guys from the office. Um, I'm not, um, that's, that's their thing. I'm not saying I won't do more night hunting in the future if I need to or whatever. It's just not for me. Um, but no matter if I'm day hunting or night hunting, I'm always hunting the wind every single stand. And I've got a good idea where my coyotes are, whether it's day or night. I got in my back of my mind, hey, if it's nighttime, hey, these coyotes should be in this area over here feeding, okay? Or up on their feet looking for food or up on their feet moving through this travel corridor to come from point A to point B. Daytime stuff, it's, it's total opposite, hey, Coyotes should be back in the bed now. This draw right here, this thicket, there should be a coyote laid up in it. If we get here, get within a couple hundred yards, we'll call that sucker up and bust him. 
Another thing is, even if I'm making bobcat stands, Missouri's a great state for bobcats. You got a lot of bobcats. Y'all Corey, Corey Groff is killing them all, but oh, other yeah. than that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Kentucky's a decent state. Not near as good as Missouri, but Kentucky's a decent state for bobcats. My area is pretty good. My area is one of the better areas in Kentucky for bobcats. Even when I go after bobcats, I'm hunting the wind. I'm not going to make a bobcat stand unless I got the wind in my favor, okay, for two reasons. One, people don't think this a lot of times, but yes, a bobcat can smell you. And yes, they can booger out on you and not, not come to the call because they have smelt you. If anybody ever tells you that a bobcat will not use their no use its nose, they're wrong. I've yeah. seen it multiple mm -hmm. times. I've filmed it. I can show you situations where they circle to the downwind. I can show you situations where they've got nervous and left because they caught human scent. I can show you all that. I mean, I've got proof of it. So, well, I mean... I can't believe people would think otherwise. I mean, oh, you see it all the time. I saw, I saw it this morning. I seen somebody asking for tips. I was tagged in it. They mentioned the Fox Pro podcast because we did a bobcat. We've done a couple bobcat uh, podcasts. You know, just focusing on that uh -huh. type of stuff. So I started reading out through the comments. Heck, like two or three down, a guy said, "Don't worry about the wind. They don't use their nose." I didn't comment nothing on it. I ain't gonna be that type of guy. Uh, but. Um, the guy was wrong. I mean, I've seen it. It's, time, it's not the, the main sense that they use. They use their eyes more than anything. But, but if you if you stick their nose full of your scent, they're not going to ignore it. I mean, you know, yeah. it, it'd be like us using. I mean, we probably use our eyes more than anything as humans. But if we smell a dead body, yeah, <laughs> we're not going to walk body. into that room. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's it's one of those things, and I'm not going to tell them they're 100 percent wrong. Because I have called bobcats that have come from a direction I didn't expect them to. And guess what? It'd be downwind. It'd be the wind blowing right up their nostrils and they still walk in there because they just don't care. You will run into some of those bobcats. But the other thing is the reason I always hunt the wind, even when making a bobcat stand, is because all these places I make bobcat stands, it's good habitat for a cat and it's liable to have a cat laid up in there, but it's also liable to have a coyote. And if there's a coyote laying there, I definitely do not want him smelling me because I want to call that coyote as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I no mean, matter what kind of hunt I'm doing, whether night, day, bobcats, after fox, after I'm always hunting the wind 100% of the time. I will not, I will not hunt a stand, no matter the situation. If my wind is blowing from me to where I think a coyote or a bobcat or a fox is, or if it's blowing to a spot where I think one of those animals can get to and cut my wind without me being able to put a bullet in them. Yeah. And, I mean, back to the night hunting thing, that's where I think we're all going to be a little different this year. We're, we're going to treat our night hunting more like we do our day hunting. We're going to stop. Like, in the daytime, we don't – like, for instance, Andy, when you and I in Austin were together a couple weeks ago, I was covering our downwind on that triple that came in. You guys killed two of them. Because I was facing downwind. That was actually one weird. You're on your phone. That, that was one weird situation where um, the coyotes came from straight upwind. So, you know, sometimes weird stuff happens. But in the daytime, we would never set up to where we can't cover our downwind. But at, at nighttime, in the past, the first couple of years, we we've kind of, eh, this is fine. We I, I remember last year where we had that one where they circled all the way around and and took got a, behind us yeah, and we took, watched them do it. Took an eight hundred yard circle all I mean, the way around. They could have ran a hundred yards straight to us and they got up and ran eight hundred nine hundred yards all the way around this this 
block of timber just to get behind us. And we were scrambling to get ready to kill them. And guess what didn't happen? We didn't kill them. Yeah. And then they got educated. So well, why did they circle like that? They've probably been, I mean, I know we know they've been called before. It's a farm we've, we've all hunted. So they've probably been educated at some point, at least one of them, you know, and, uh, you know, if, if the, the old coyote gets up and starts to circle, the other two coyotes that are younger and down on the pecking order are going to go with them. They're going to follow it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's kind of why my first theory was, was what it was. Now this year we're going to be a lot different. We're going to try to cover our downwinds, make, make different moves, but you got all kinds of folks that are doing night hunting now in every state, I would assume. I, I don't know what states can't do it and whatever, but um, that's just There's adding to the – They can't. Like Tennessee, they can't hunt at night at any time. And then you got other states like Georgia. You can do it all year round, Texas. Um, so, you know, it just depends. But um, And then the other thing is you got neighbors. I mean, Andy, us – we won't go hunt one of our spots if it's not a good day for it. If the wind is wrong, if it doesn't seem like it's you know conducive to call a coyote, we won't go hunt it. But that doesn't mean the two farms on each side, people aren't calling it every three days. Um, and and you you you're wondering why the hell can I get can I not get coyotes in? Well, it might not have anything to do with you. It might have to do with the surrounding, you know, farms and and folks that are hunting. That, that's the truth. I mean, you can't with how popular the sport is has become you can't just think that you're the only person that might be caught on a particular piece of property um i mean it takes those special scenarios where you get granted sole permission and nobody else is hunting and that's not saying even if you do have sole permission, that don't mean ain't somebody's sneaking in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> and for being that. But it happens. It happens. So, I mean, you can't, you can't just go on, so I, I'm going to want to hunt this. You know, I, I know what's being killed, and I know what's being called to. Well, maybe. Yep. <laughs> you think. <laughs> okay. So, we've kind of answered the question, is killing coyotes harder? Well, it depends, but sort of. You know, just, to, I mean, if we were talking, if – the three of us lived in Southwest Kansas where we're the only four coyote hunters in the entire area. Maybe it would be different. Maybe it isn't harder to kill coyotes there, but where you're at and where we're at, at least we know it is. Um, so the answer is basically kind of yes, right? It is, it might be harder to kill coyotes. So what can someone do? What can someone do to become, continue to be effective? What are, what are some steps that you might think would be good for them to take? Well, number one is is do things right. I mean, just like you guys were, you just mentioned, said, you know, you all get lazy sometimes at night and you don't pay as much attention to the wind. Well, guess what? That's the number one thing you can do to help yourself out is always hunt the wind. I mean, like I said earlier, that's the number one mistake I think hunters make, especially new hunters. So that's, that's number one right there. And I think it pretty much just sums it all up. Just try to do everything right. Use your woodsmanship. We brought that term up as well. You know, do everything right and make your stands count. Make Have smart setups. Make smart stands, whether it be wind direction, how you set your call out, what your sounds and sequences that you're using at that time. Make sure you're you're doing it exactly right every single time. And when I say exactly right, you know, that's a broad term when it comes to coyote hunting because 
there's many right ways to call in a coyote, right? Uh, there's also many wrong ways to mess a coyote stand up. So just try to, at the best of your knowledge, try to try to make good, smart setups, make good stands, and try to make them count. The more you can do that, the more successful you'll be and the less heartache you'll have in the future. Um, you know, you got to kind of work. If you know other hunters in your area, hey, there's nothing says you can't kind of work together. Hey, let somebody know. Hey, you know, I know we share this piece of property down here on this McGuffey place. I uh, just want to let you know we was in there the other night, killed three coyotes and called another a fourth one in, but thing got downwind on us got out of there. And let them know what sounds you use. I mean, you know what I mean? I, there's nothing says mm-hmm. you can't work together and be and and you know, make all of you more successful. Yeah. Is there a situation like let's just say you have permission to this spot, you know there's coyotes there. They've been boogered at some point, and you can just not call them in. Is there a point where you just decide, I'm just going to back out of there for a while and give them X amount of time? Are you still kind of keep it on a rotation like every six months or every once a year or whatever? How, How do you go about that? If I get into those situations where I either know I've messed up on coyotes, say if it's a spot that one of the spots is I mess up on coyotes all the time, guys. So I ain't gonna try to act like I don't. I make coyotes call shot every single year. Um, just happens. Everybody's gonna do it. Um, probably my dad's property. My dad's a beef cattle farmer here in the county that I live in, and he owns property. He leases a lot of property, and on the property that he owns, I've probably made more coyote stands throughout my life on that property than I have anywhere. And I probably killed more coyotes there than I have anywhere. Well, this year I messed up on a coyote. We had the crew come down from Pennsylvania, from, from Lewistown, from the office. And we tried to film a fur taker show here. And we did film a fur taker show here, but we also had a group of coyotes dead at my dad's that I was saving for that show. And guess what? Messed up on them. Actually called them how they need to be called there, but they ended up circling down wind on us. <laughs> What happened is I could have shot them and killed them. But the problem was on this particular farm, there's a hay barn sitting like right here. And there's a feeding pad for beef cattle right here. Well, there's only like 40-some head was on that feeding pad. The coyote, we got a left-right crosswind. Here comes a coyote. Guess where he ends up? Right in between me and 40-some head of cattle. Yep. I ain't taking that shot. Could I kill the cow? Yes. Could you have bought a half a beef? Yes. (laughs) You could have bought a couple (laughs) of beef. (laughs) Could I also put a V-Max in the back end of a $1,300 steer? Right. Yeah. You know what what my dad Irvin would have done if I'd have done that? And and plus, you know, (laughs) it's not a shot. So anyway, I made those cows call shy. Um, So I make cows call shy all the time. Uh, So, I mean, it's just – but the hey, thing is, that makes me feel I, I, be, I went back in there just just a couple days ago. I said, you know what? I, I called it them coyotes to rat. I'm going to try to just go all vocals. It's breeding season right now. I said, I'm going to run a breeding season type sequence in there. I'll call them back up, kill them, get rid of them too. I blanked it, guys. I went back down there and I hunted from a different I was in a hay field when I called those coyotes up. I went to that pasture field where they came from. Man, I blanked them. 
I don't know where they was. They was either right there and heard me and said, no, nope, we ain't coming, or they wasn't there at that time. But I feel like that I probably messed with them a little too much. I actually called this spot back in the fall as well and killed a coyote out there. So this makes the third time I've called it. I blanked it this time, and I feel like I've probably put too much pressure on this group of coyotes. I'm not going to go back in there till about July. Mm-hmm. Let them let right, sit. I'm going to go back and hunt them in the summertime. Let them sit. Yeah, I, I get it's it. Got, you got to be able to – you got to have the discipline of – I mean, you can go in there and keep calling. You might have one that finally says – you know what? I'm tired of listening to this guy calling. I'm going to commit suicide runner and let him shoot. <laughs> hey, find me those coyotes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? But um, you got to know when to pull the plug. You got to know when to say, hey, this is too much. This is counterproductive. I'm not doing, the only thing I'm doing here is hurting myself. You've got to have enough discipline to say, hey, I need to pull out, give these coyotes time, and hunt them during a different time frame of the year. And, and you know, there's a couple different things that happens in a coyote's life at recess they're crazy. That's how I always put it. One of them is denning season, and one of them is breeding season. I thought I was going to be able to get them during breeding season, and I didn't. Maybe I could go in there and call them tomorrow morning, and I might call them back up, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to give them a break. I'm going to wait till denning season gets here, let them reset that crazy again, and I will kill them during denning season. There we go. I like it. I, yeah, I'm looking forward to that bank. video. <laughs> I, like it to I like it. I like it. I like it. I got one. You just got to know that, you know, it's a fine line. You got to know when to pull the plug, guys. You got to know when to back out. And that's harder. It's hard for a lot of people. It's hard for me at times. It what, is. What are your thoughts on this? Um, so I, I, and I've contemplating doing this so i i have this one property and you know andy and nate they've both been there with me the last year i got it the lady got a depredation tag she was having problems with it killing livestock and that sort of thing we went in killed a few dogs um we went a few more times and we called we'd get them to sound we'd see them during thermal season couldn't get anything to commit i've thought about this year me and Andy have called it one time. We called it early, uh, early fall. Was it fall time? Was that when it was? Yep. I don't know. It, it, yep. Yeah. In the fall, we buggered one up. Same deal. I've thought about just going in there during this thermal season and just not calling at all, which I'm sure as a Fox Pro person, you're probably real happy about me saying that. <laughs> but And then just waiting. Because it seems like any time we go out, they're there. They're there. Yeah. I mean, they're just thick. You know, she's got cows, chickens all little critters that these coyotes make an easy meal of is it a just killing a coyote just for it being out in the field not calling it not boogering it as far as them smelling you or anything do you think that affects other coyotes too or is that just like that don't know what happened to bob he just didn't come with with the assumption that the wind is in your favor it's not like you're walking in there yeah yeah no i I don't think it i don't think that has any long-term effects especially from a calling standpoint because yeah. that's like you said they don't know what happened yeah okay yeah that that yeah. particular property is one where you're like if the wind is good right now and you get there and they're out you almost want to stalk them in the shadows and and get to where you can take a shot because it's getting to you know it got to the point last year at least where you'd have five six of them 500 yards out on the other side of the the draw of the fields and Boy, they'd they'd chime back at you, and they'd even come to the the tree line, and then they'd stop, 
and then they'd yeah. they'd go back, and you're like, they're not coming. No, they they know it's it's not right here. And I but I've also uh, acquired some properties around it, so I might try hitting it at different angles just to see if that changes the calling aspect of it. But and it, and it definitely can. Um, I've done that many a times being able to hunt them with different wind directions from different stand locations and it do work, you know, run a total, di- you know, run on a different wind, different stand location, a total different set of sounds and call, uh, call shy coyotes up. Um, some of these coyotes has been pressured too much, which is say it, you know, say it how it is. They've been hunted way too much, been called to way too much. And they've just learned way too much. Yeah. The best thing to happen for those coyotes the best thing to happen for you to those coyotes, them suckers die. Right. And whatever aspect they can, whether the farmer shoots them, you slip in there with the thermal and shoot them without calling whatsoever. I mean, I've, it's like we're talking about my dad's place there. I've boogered coyotes up there so bad in the past. And, you know, you know, I've done this for a living for a long time. And when dad sees coyotes somewhere, he's calling me. He'll say, Hey, there's coyotes down here, certain pasture fuel on certain farm. And there's been times when I call him back or when he leaves me a message or I answer and he's telling me about it. I said, talking about down there at your place? And he's like, yeah, is it a reddish-looking coyote? And he's like, oh, yeah. I said, if you got to <laughs> shoot it. Shoot it. <laughs> really. If I want that coyote gone, because, I mean, you know, I know that I've boogered that coyote up so bad that I can't kill it. You it's kind of it, like it that happens. doe that always stomps at you as soon as she comes in the field. She's like, it looks up at your stand instantly. That that one's got to go. <laughs> hey, I had that same situation deer hunting this year. The night that I actually killed the buck, it was in the corner of a soybean field, and every single evening I hunted it. This was a spot that I only hunted in the evening. There would be a doe and two yearlings come out. Well, that doe got to know I was there. She could... You know, she was knew I wasn't. I mean, she was smart enough knew I wasn't gonna shoot her, but she kept an eye on me. And uh, yep. when that buck come out that night, she was staring a hole right through me. And I'm talking about like it would take me like you know to move this much. It take me like five minutes. Me just you know <laughs> doing stuff like that. She was just ready to blow me out. She knew I was there. Now the the yep. two years in that buck I shot, didn't have a clue, but they learned, man. I mean, animals. So as simple as a lot of animals are, they, they can be intelligent in certain ways, and especially coyotes. Their drive to not die is a pretty good drive. I mean, that, that's what their, their goal is every day is to not die and then maybe, you know, do some sex and, you know, here at different times of the year. That's that's their goal. Eat, don't die, right? And uh, they're pretty good yeah. at it. So, um, you know, we thought it was a, a great topic just because you hear it all the time and, you know, I mean, we experience it. I mean, it just depends. You'll have days where you're like, oh, my gosh, coyote hunting sucks, man. You know, this is no fun. And then you have those days where you're just like, boy, we, we saw 15 dogs today. It was it was terrific. Um, sometimes you just you got to look at it a different way. And uh, pressure is, is not going to go away. You know, the sport of coyote hunting, luckily, is becoming more popular. It's a good thing. Um and it, it it ain't gonna go away so we have to adapt as like you said woodsmen uh outdoorsmen and figure out how to how to kill them a different way you know and i gotta figure that out too because it's yeah, been it's been i mean 
our, our, our thermal season hunt, it starts soon, and, you know, we're going to approach that so different than we did in years prior. Not that we were hunting like idiots before, but we pushed the envelope a lot more at night than we do we would have any time during the day on a certain set. And so I right. think we just need to approach it more like it's, it's daytime. And if this isn't right here, we just don't go. We go to another place. And I think that'll help us in our spots uh, particularly. But uh, okay, I got another question before we go though. Sure. Twenty two two fifty still your favorite? Oh yeah, I've shot more coyotes with a twenty two two fifty. It's just like we we filmed this fur taker episode. You know, I've got all kinds of different stuff, and when it comes right down to it, like when I film the fur takers. When we do the fur taker stuff, it's serious. I mean, it's game on. We block out days. We're flying the cameraman in, and you got two and a half days to make something happen. Yeah. When we do a fur taker show, we have a minimum of four successful stands on a show. Okay? Minimum. Not one of these just call a coyote out, three seconds you shoot him, kill him, make a show. We don't do that. So there's pressure on, and um, – the caliber I choose to take when the pressure's on, I'll take the twenty two two fifty because I got the utmost confidence in it. Okay, you know, love it. All right, three here. I, I have. There's a lot of stuff I have confidence in, but when I know when it's time to make hay, when it's time to make stuff happen, I've got so much confidence in a twenty two two fifty. What I shoot, the ammo I shoot through it. The whole setup, I know that I'm going to be killing coyotes on film. You can, you kind of, yeah. I you live can, well, you kind of stole my thunder there. What I was going to do oh, is be I? like, now I'm going to give you an X24. I'm going to give you your gun, which I know is a 22250. And I'm going to drop you on an island, and you got to kill a coyote. Right? You've heard that before. <laughs> I've heard this before. Yeah. But I was going to say, what grain bullet are you putting in that 22250? It. What I like to shoot, see. I can give whole lessons on 22-250s. The very first coyote I ever killed was with a 22-250. It was an old Ruger number one. If anybody knows what a Ruger number one is, that's a single-shot rifle. Well, when the 22-250s came out, the most predominant rifle twist they put in was a 1-14. in 14. That's a really mm – -hmm. anybody knows anything about barrel twist, look all that stuff up. That 1-14 uh, in 14, is a very slow twist. Slow. Yeah. And what the test is designed for is your lighter bullets, okay? I've never really been a fan of these 1 in 12s and 1 in 14 twist 22 250s. Okay? So that surprises all, me, really. Not all 22 250s are created equal. I'm a fan of 1 in 8s, 1 in 9s, and 1 in 10s, okay? Well, What's your does, favorite of all those? Um, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know if I had bad luck out of the one and nine. I've had two custom rifles built. Both custom rifles had one built in a one and eight and one out of a one and nine. I love the one and eight. One and eight killed coyote. Both shot lights out. Okay. And I've, I experimented with several different bullets, different bullet weights, different bullet types, just trying to find that magic potion, so to speak, you know. I could shoot one and eighth. I could shoot 55 grain bullets, 60, 62, 69s, and 75s, and it just melt coyotes with whatever I fed it. The one and nine wasn't that way. I'd have spinners. I'd have runners. 
I wasn't losing coyotes. I was killing them, but they would go. You know, they would run mm-hmm, and right. follow. Well, I've got a uh, Ruger American over here. It's a one in ten. I can shoot fifties and fifty fives out of that one in ten, and it just stone cold chills them. I really like the one in eights and one in tens. Why I've had bad luck out of the one in nine, I don't know. I don't know if I just didn't find. See, if you study up on this stuff, you'll see that, you know, that different RPMs for every one of them with bullets mm-hmm. you shoot. Get into all the BC talk and mm-hmm. all that stuff. We ain't going to get into that. We ain't got enough time on this podcast. <laughs> I just thought of our next but, show with John, though. <laughs> yeah. Man, we can, I mean, we can talk about it. We could really fill it up. But, you know, I like those faster twist 22-250s. I still like a one and nine more than I do a one and twelve and one and fourteen. Hmm. One eights, one nines, one tens. Your one and twelve and one and fourteen more traditional twenty two two fifties. I ain't got much use for them. They're more of a. You got to be shooting those forty five fifty. You can shoot up to a fifty five grain bullet, but that fifty five grain bullet out of a out of a one and fourteen. Although it'll still shoot good and can shoot good just as good as out of the one and ten or one and eight. When it impacts, when it hits a coyote, it reacts different, okay? Because you got different RPMs going. And yep. it just it makes a difference on game performance. Mm-hmm. It's makes a sense. I like to use, and it just, you know, it's the difference of a, of a bullet blowing up on hide and not getting into the vitals, or it can mean going through and getting all the way through vitals and then blowing up. Yeah, mm-hmm. Okay. And, and and for oh, a yeah. lot of for a lot of coyote hunters like I mean us three um, I don't know how you are but the guns we now shoot uh, all learning through our years of you know becoming better coyote hunters and all that stuff I prefer to shoot landing gear so if you're shooting a bullet at landing gear and it's splashing outside of getting through well I ain't doing much good goodbye there he goes um, you know. You, you have a setup to punch through that and drop them right where they're at instead of them spinning and taking off for 30 yards. Yeah, they might die, but you want them right there on the spot. And no matter, uh, no knowing those things is important. Cal- yeah, no matter what, what caliber you shoot, no matter what it is, you've got to have that formula of that caliber, twist rate, and bullet. Whether it's bullet weight, bullet design, everything goes into effect. Because like I said – you can go one way or the other, and it could go from difference between blowing up on hide, going through hide, going through muscle, and getting in the vitals and blowing up, or going all the way through past vitals, then blowing up. Guess which one's going to do the most damage to drop you most coyotes? It's going to be the one that comes through the hide, through the muscle, then blows up right there in the in the pump mm-hmm. station. That's, one, that's what's dropping you coyotes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... I've just got that formula that works good for me. Called the old milk jug, yeah. No. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, I went through that whole thing yep. with the 243. I've done that deal with the six creeds. I know what bullets work for me. I see guys talk about, oh, I like this 70 grain, whatever, this 243 with this whatever twist. I'm like, and dude, I had bad luck at that. <laughs> you know, You're an idiot. Yeah, I, I just, <laughs> I've shot it. I've shot 17 Remingtons. I mean, I, when I say I shot a 17 Remington, I'm talking about killed a few hundred coyotes with a 17 Remington. 
I've shot a 204 Ruger. When I say I shot it, again, not just a dozen coyotes, you know, a couple hundred, 300 coyotes with it. 223, same thing. 22, 250, you know, it's, you know, I don't know how many coyotes I've killed. It, it's in the thousand, you know, well over a thousand, you know, a couple thousand, 22, same thing, six creed, 22 creed, 243. I mean, I can rattle off all kinds of calibers and I know what works good and what don't. With yeah. What type of this, what twist rated. Nate, we have to ask him now. Stuff. Well, we got to ask him. We have to ask him. Uh, we put I put Corey on the spot last night on his live video. Oh gosh! Out, out outside of the seventeen, and maybe you can include the seventeen. Everybody always asks, "What's your favorite caliber? What's your least favorite caliber outside?" No twenty. We're not talking twenty-two long rifle. We're talking about an actual, you know, high caliber rifle. Yeah. Um. Probably if you're. Excluding rim fires, and if you guys listen to the Fox yep. podcast, y'all know I've went on rants about rim yep. fires. Yep. Uh, if it, it's probably going to surprise people because I know this caliber can be good, and I know some other people that's based their careers off this caliber. I know there's been some big time tournaments that's won with this caliber, but the the caliber that I've had the least luck with or the most trouble out of is a 223 i've actually had more i have been i more. have been what's that vindicated vindication <laughs> next day <laughs> i'll never down anybody i'll never down anybody for using a 223 no i've killed a lot of coyotes, 223 but me personally i've had more coyotes get away with me from me with a 223 more than with a 17 remington yeah which is minimal and more than with the 204 Ruger. And uh, the 223 should be better than both of those calibers. And I know that they can be, but just me personally, that's the caliber I've had the most uh, trouble out of. But, you know, there's some big name coyote hunters out there yeah. that do that stuff for a living or semi living that, that if you ask them, they're taking a 223. All their guns are 223 and they have tremendous luck out of them. So I'm not going to tell you it's a horrible caliber. No. I'm never. No never tell you that it's just me personally i i have no use for one i i don't care if i ever own another one yeah no it, and i uh, think we all agree with you i yeah, think it's exactly. harder to find that that chemistry that you're talking about that bullet to to with the 223 uh, what you're just talking about because you have a lot more runners spinners with a 223 but there's some people uh like you're talking about they shoot they have a 53 grain v max they shoot and it drops them like that yeah, and they have a sixty. It might take off running. I mean, it's just, so it's. I think it's my personal, whatever. It's harder to find that match for that two twenty three. Curry Corey hurt my feelings and said the two oh four. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll let it slide. Well, the reason the reason Andy asked you that is we had a show, uh, our end of the year show. Someone asked the question, "What's your least favorite coyote round?" And so I answered the two twenty three. And I I said though. It's not because I think the 223 is a bad coyote round, but my the reason I said it was I've got a 22-250, a 6 Creed, a 6 Arc, and a <laughs> 223 sitting in my closet right now. If yep. if John Collins called me and said, hey, I need you to come out here with me. we got to kill some coyotes. You, we got to get them down. I'm going to walk into that yep. closet, and that 223 is the last one I would grab out of that closet out yep. of those four. 
That's that's why yep. I answered it. I don't believe it's a bad round for Coyotes. I just don't believe it's top five or top ten. The I don't best, know. Yeah. But, you know, I don't believe it's the best anymore. That's why I said it. Well, it, it's just like, you know, y'all referred to asking me about the caliber stuff. And you asked me if I dropped you off on an island and you got to take your X-24 and all that. That's how that come about was some of these crazy things some people say about calibers. And you're like, you know, if your life depended on you killing a coyote, I mean, like, seriously, like somebody, you know, one of these crazy situations where you get kidnapped and, you know, holding your family <laughs> ransom. And, uh, well, it'd be a 50 BMG <laughs> then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm serious. You know, it's like, hey, right. you know, if you're going to kill, you've got to kill a coyote. You get one bullet. You've got to kill a called-in coyote. What caliber are you going to trust your life with? And if you say one of these minimal deals where you know that there's a chance that that animal could get away from you, you're going to be slapped. <laughs> I mean, why? Why? And yeah. not to not to be too rough on you, but a two-hole, <laughs> one of those, the coyotes can, dude, you, you're, you're, you can be that much too far one direction <laughs> right. and it could be a difference in out or running off i know i know but with a different bike caliber you can be that much off in either direction and it's still stone cold dead right there where you shot it at yeah and andy's defense he no longer really uses hey, the 204 i've shot i've shot two different 204s i've had two of them and I've shot all kinds of different factory ammo and i even reloaded for both of them so i know about the 204 yeah, and and your defense, Andy, you don't really use that thing anymore. I believe it. I, I, I don't remember the last time I've seen you no. hunting with it. But it wouldn't be my it wouldn't be my first out of the closet. But I do like it. Hey, I can tell you something. It's a fifty BMG too. Do y'all <laughs> know who Gage Bohannon is? Yep. Gage Bohannon, one of the best coyote hunters in Kentucky. Well, if you don't know who he is, guys, there are people yep. listening on here. Look, Gage Bohannon on Facebook and Instagram. Great guy, excellent coyote hunter, big time deer hunter too. I think year before last he killed like a hundred ninety three inch white tail with his bow or something like that. Oh, wow. Anyway, he's actually killed a coyote fifty BMG. <laughs> Did they find it? <laughs> like, yeah, just, where's the just, proof? <laughs> yeah. This is going to go right back to that right bullet, right caliber, right twist stuff. He got a BMG through, he's a diesel mechanic. Uh-huh. And uh, he's a great, talented mechanic. He's really well known in this area for uh, uh, his transmission rebuilds and all that type of stuff. Well, anyway, he worked on this guy's truck. And this might not be totally right, but I think this is just of it. The guy brought a truck in, had a bunch of work done, ended up coming a little short on money. But he said, hey, if you'll take some <laughs> stuff. Trade, I can trade you stuff. Well, one of the things he was able to trade was a 50 BMG. Okay. And of course, Absolutely. Gage being a gun, uh, give me it. You know, I'll take <laughs> it. Well, Gage has actually killed several things with it. You know, he's like, man, this thing's fun to shoot. He's killed a deer with it. Uh, he's even got the deer mounted, a pretty nice buck. And he's killed Kyle with it. He just said, hey, you know what? I'm going to take this out, see if I can't kill some stuff. The coyote shot, he absolutely drilled it. Thing ran, ran like 50 or 60, 70 yards. Seriously? Oh, wow. <laughs> what happened was 
is he shot it with that 50 BMG and the bullet was so heavy and heavy. Just zipped right through. Yep. Handhold right through that coat and thing <laughs> ran. It didn't dump no energy in it. Yep. Yeah, that's crazy. I, my assumption so, was that thing just turned into red mist. Just because it's the biggest cow. That's very true. Yeah, that's that's good what point. you think. But. Uh, well, that was a great topic, and I, my, I really enjoyed the way we ended it. That was fun because now yeah. I feel better about – Boy, I, t- I don't uh, – so many people ran me down about answering 223. I was just – they already had chose – their rounds that they had picked and so i had to pick something and they wouldn't let me answer 22 long rifle you know some cop out so i had to answer something so i feel much better uh in fact this this year is really pretty much made for me john collins agreed with me on something so i really don't need to do nothing else <laughs> to be honest with you but uh so yeah um hey, i've got i've got to throw this disclaimer out there okay let me throw a disclaimer out there because i have to do this every time we do a podcast on the fox pro deal if we're talking about calibers if I've bad mouth the caliber that you shoot, do not hold it against me. I, I actually have a, I actually have appreciation for all calibers. I consider myself a rifleman. I've never seen one that I did not like for some type of purpose. I just think there's there some that's more better suited for certain things like coyote hunting over others. Now, yeah, if you want to go shoot some prairie dogs? You got a go for. And that thing to me, buddy. We'll shoot all the prairie dogs out there in Wyoming or South Dakota or wherever. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to put on coyote. Yeah. Oh, I know. It's just don't don't think bad about me if I've said something negative about your caliber. None I of us think caliber. I none of us. I won't think, judge you, John. I won't judge you. <laughs> none of us think anything negatively about the two twenty three. In fact, the two twenty three, I guarantee you, kills more coyotes a year than any other round, maybe combined. Uh, just so many people have them so i have nothing bad to say i'm just saying it ain't the best uh and i'll probably still take my christensen because it's so pretty and i want to use it uh but i i to be to be honest i wish i would have got a different npr and a different caliber now that i have it but i'm still going to use it so um john go ahead big horse i've got to review a lot of Big Al, Big Al's footage in this past year, he's shot a 223 quite a bit in AR platform. And fall before last, I actually went on a trip with him and I borrowed one of his guns. So I had to pack a rifle and I ended up shooting a six Creed and he ended up taking a 223. Now, that whole trip, I think we killed 12 or 14 coyotes. He shot probably half of them. And then all this footage that I've uh, had to go over this past year with him shooting at 223. Not the first coyote he's ran. Everyone I was bent that he shot these two twenty three smoked. Yep. Now if I just shot date around like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Al Al's Al's uh done a thing or two in the coyote world. I, so I think he's probably got that two twenty three nice and dialed um for yeah. uh for doing exactly what it oh, needs to do. For- oh, John. Oh, there he is. There he is. We made it through the whole podcast, and you finally lagged out for two seconds. Oh. Oh, well, we did pretty good. We did do pretty good. We did do pretty good. It's DJ. You all did. You all lagged out on us, I think. Yeah. That might have been the case. (laughs) Maybe. Lagging out. Yeah. (laughs) Well, 
this is a good spot to kind hey, of. Hey, that's end a win it, for me. That's a first. Yeah, that, I'm not the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's always Nate anyway. It's always yep. my fault. But John, um, you know, we appreciate you coming on the show. That's right. Uh, it was a. Uh, a great topic i you know something a little different than you know hey what are you using right now what's your favorite calls you know that's always fun but i wanted to you know do something a little different with you tonight so uh we appreciate you coming on and uh everybody make sure they check out uh john's podcast by the way john why don't you tell everybody about the podcast that uh, you got going over there at fox pro it's uh the fox pro podcast it's fox pros podcast you can find it on all major podcast platforms go check it out it's it's quickly became one of the top podcasts in the wilderness division you know it's easy to find the fox pro i said you guys what top top three top five yeah usually hanging around there around the top top 10 i don't know what it is this week i haven't checked it but it, we have to top awesome. out in the yeah. top three just below steve Ranella. so if that tells you anything it's uh that's pretty good really something good. right man doing, doing something, something right. right yep Awesome. Well, John Collins, thanks for coming on the show tonight, man. We appreciate you. Yep. Thanks for having me.